Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to old age, the worst part of being a human being. One day you'll all experience it, because that's better than the alternative. I'm Marty, and I'm going to be older than dirt in a month. Welcome to All Comics Considered, the comic book podcast that got the band back together. I'm Marty, and I'm addicted to destiny. I'm Hannah, and I swear I've never once murdered even a single Vash cosplayer. And I'm Nick, and I know where the bodies are buried. So this week, the old school team is going to talk about some pull box items, and it's a long box. Not a, no, you know, not a short box, a long box of stuff. And we're going to end today's episode with some fandom confessions. Tim is taking his bonus son out for a fancy pants dinner, so he will not be joining us today. But I guess you figured that out when we said we got the original band back together. First up, let's delve into the pull box. Okay, guys, so who wants to talk about their uh, thing that you're into so other people should be too? Nick, you put something in your pull box notes here that I have super been wanting to discuss because the only thing I've been able to articulate so far has like been a high pitch sound that only dogs can hear. So I think <laughs> Nick should start. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right, so um, I have a little bit of a longer pull box than I usually do. Uh, <clears throat> I read through, finally, uh, um, All-Star Superman. Uh, I picked it up because I wanted to familiarize myself uh, with a little bit more Superman material, uh, in particular because I know Hannah likes Superman uh, quite a bit more than I do. So um, she is, to be, uh, to be honest, a little bit smarter than I am, uh, especially when it comes to comic books. So uh, I like uh, giving things a second look when she recommends them. Uh, and while I enjoyed the overall story uh, in All-Star Superman, uh, I actually found it pretty frustrating because the entire uh, crux of the story, uh, uh, spoilers uh, incoming, uh, if you have not read All-Star Superman, uh, you may want to skip ahead. Uh, the story is, uh, it's 12 issues, um, and it deals with Lex Luthor. Uh, essentially, uh, he puts into a plot into motion in the first uh, issue that first forces Superman to fly into the middle of the sun to rescue some people. And uh, the center of the sun overloads Superman and essentially gives him... You know, Kryptonian cancer. Um, he is he is dying, uh, but uh, while he is dying, he has access to uh, tons of other superpowers uh, that he never had. Like he shoots this weird blue light out, uh, and he's now invulnerable to crypt uh, to kryptonite. Uh, and, and he's super smart too, right? Uh, yeah, it increases his intelligence, but uh, you know, depending on the era of Superman, um, he always had that super intelligence. I'm going to invent you know, crazy machines that see through time, stuff like that. 
but the comic mostly deals with how Superman uh, is going about his 12 labors, the 12 labors he decides that he needs to do before he dies, um, and resolving some of his mortal ties. But all I could think about uh, throughout the whole book was that the way that Superman decides to go about this is to conceal that he is dying and uh, essentially, you know, uh, uh, execute uh, uh, scheme after scheme to uh, ensure that things will be better after he dies. You know, he I mean, he certainly has noble intent, but he doesn't give anybody else in the story any any real agency. <clears throat> and I found that incredibly frustrating. It's like the entire comic was like 12 issues of Superman mansplaining the plot to us or something. Um, I don't know. It left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. I, for, Especially for a comic that I thought was actually fairly well written. So, I don't know. Uh, Hannah, have you read All-Star Superman? I haven't, but I do actually have a question for you around um, kind of that idea how is what he does different from Jane Foster concealing the fact that turning into Thor is killing her? Uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't know that it is. Um, and, and honestly, like the more I thought about it, the more the entire Superman Lois Lane relationship just got more and more messed up to me, you know, like what a weird manipulative thing to do. Like all of the times he's dated her without her knowing like in either identity without her knowing about the other and like the time he's erased her memory and yeah um definitely like the era of their relationship that is really the best era of their relationship is when everything is out in the open and when they have almost more of a partnership yeah Um, like right around the time like death of superman era actually like when she knows who he is she knows the whole story they get married and that's actually something that uh with dc rebirth has been reintroduced um they actually have a kid uh, Jonathan Kent, who is going to yeah. be palling around with Damian Wayne in uh, Super Sons, which I'm very excited about. I think that's going to be a really fun book. It's original so. Superman, right? Uh, that's the implication, yeah. I don't know the whole backstory, but I just... I Actually, the book I'm going to talk about today is the Superman Rebirth book, so um, I just read it today, and it's, yeah, strongly implied that it's... Um, pre-New 52 Superman. I think it's also worth noting that All-Star Superman, um, obviously an Elseworlds story, uh, also written by Grant Morrison. So... Uh, I'm not the biggest Grant Morrison fan. I I really didn't like uh, Seven Soldiers. Um, I just did not care for that as a story. Um, It was ambitious. I'll give it that. I tried to get into it, and I'm just like, it didn't do it for me. But it was ambitious, and I can appreciate that. So apparently Max Landis's uh, Superman series, uh, which is another Elseworlds story called Superman American Alien, from what I've heard, is very good. And oh, might be uh, checking out. so that is actually the book specifically that I was looking for, uh, and this, this store didn't have, so I picked up All-Star Superman instead. Sure. Yeah. I haven't read American Alien yet. I'm waiting for the trade, um, but I really want to because it sounds super interesting. And I've seen a couple of panels and stuff for it that, from it that look really, really neat. So I think Superman stories can be really difficult because he's one of the oldest superheroes. So you're going to have a lot of good stories. You're going to have a lot of bad stories and a lot of authors that think that they have the character nailed down and might not. Um, and I think Morrison specifically is a very... Like, he has an agenda when he's writing things. Like, more, you can always tell Morrison's writing, and it's a little bit different than a lot of other writers. And he, you know, that's what he's going for, and that's what he's trying to do. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, and your mileage may vary, like, crazy with Morrison. So, uh, I'm super excited that you tried a Superman story, because I recommended the character, though. That's very cool. The other thing I read was uh, Gotham Academy, because the first trade finally came out, and it was fantastic. Uh, the it lived up to the hype. Uh, I've been getting a lot of hype about this book uh, from people on Facebook, uh, but it really lived up to it. Um, I think that uh, if you like the Lumberjanes, you will really like it. I think that uh, if you like uh, Penny Dreadful on TV, you'll really like Gotham Academy. Um, and I think that 
of all of the comics I've ever read, the one it most reminded me of actually was Lock and Key. Uh, I thought it had a very, very familiar tone to, um, especially like the for the early Lock and Key, the first three trades um, before you know everything completely busts out and goes insane. Um, <clears throat> it's cute. It's funny. Uh, it's spirited, uh, and it shows you a perspective uh, on the Batman universe that you haven't seen before. Hmm. It's on my list of trades to pick up, but it's um, after Clean Room by Gail Simone, so I'll wait. Yeah, I've been pulling single issues of Gotham Academy uh, since it started. I'm actually, I'm dreadfully behind on it, but I've read, like, through the first trade, and I, yeah, I think I've talked about it on the show before. I really, really dug it. Uh, it was very, like, you're totally right. It does a really different perspective on um, the DC universe, on the, like, Gotham Batman side of that, and it's really fun. Uh, I it's It almost doesn't feel like a DC book. Like, it feels like a Dark Horse book. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. It's good. I also, I adore the art. I love the art so much. It's so cute. I've heard wonderful things and I've seen wonderful things about the art. It's on, it's on my list, but you know, this podcast isn't making it easier for us to buy all the comics that we want. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, the last thing in my pull box is, uh, the season finale of the flash, which was completely and totally bonkers. If you haven't seen it, um, uh, people seem to be pretty split down the middle, uh, her, 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 uh, about what, uh, uh, what happened, uh, in the last several episodes of the season. Uh, some people really have loved the Zoom stuff. Some people have hated it. Uh, I personally actually have just been kind of eating it up. I've been loving the the uh, the fact that they're unafraid to uh, use Earth 2 and Earth 3 uh, in the show. Um, despite the fact that, yes, Barry carries the idiot ball a lot. Um, but uh, the Flash finale was totally bonkers. Uh, we get the reveal that we've been waiting for. Spoilers, by the way, everybody. If you haven't seen or watched the finale, if it's still waiting on your on-demand or whatever, skip ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, for God's sakes, do not <clears throat> listen to this if you haven't watched it yet because it is absolutely worth watching with as little information as possible going into it. Yeah. Marty, have you not watched it yet? I've watched it. Okay. And I and I, and I am prepared to defend tooth and nail here so um so first uh you know of course we get the reveal um that uh barry's dad uh is of course uh jay garrick um the flash of earth three uh and his dad's doppelganger yes his dad's doppelganger uh and the the shot of him putting the hat on with his big buff jacket uh i mean just straight straight out of you know flash between two worlds you know just like the perfect sort of shot of jay garrick i'm very excited that uh they they uh, gave that to John Wesley Ship, you know the the Flash from the original TV show that I watched back in the nineties. Um, he's still a swole man, like he's yeah, he's buff, man, buff as fuck. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that happens, of course, is that uh, Barry uh, defeats Zoom using his uh, time duplicate, uh, and we get to see Zoom very clearly turn into uh, Black Flash. Uh, which, if you're not familiar with Black Flash, Black Flash is essentially the Grim Reaper of Speedsters. He is the speedster that the Speed Force sends out to collect people when the speedsters when they die. Um, and uh, it, it, in the comics, uh, the uh, the he it's the uh, the man it's, uh, zooms. Um, God, his Black Lantern, I think, uh, form is what becomes the Black Flash, which is why he's all rotted out. But it is the same character uh, that becomes the rotted out Black Flash in the comics. So it seems pretty clear that's what they did, uh, considering they also changed uh, the color of his lightning and the color of his the wings on his uh, his suit and his emblem. Oh, he uh, is totally Black Flash. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are we are 100 percent going to see him show up again. Um. And then we have uh, the coda, 
which is where Barry freaks out and goes back on all of the character progression that he has made so far and runs back in time and decides to save his mom uh, and, in doing so, also save his dad. Uh, Which is literally a flashpoint. That is literally what started the New 52 in the comics. So... I have to say, I am so nervous. I am so, so nervous about season three. So I don't think character progression is ever going to be a straight line. Because, like, I got to be honest, 10, 11 years after my parents have passed away, there are days where if I could go back in time and change one fucking thing, oh, I'd do it. And I would do it over and over again. Time paradox be damned. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it's it's stupid and selfish, but I'm not saying that. No, no. I identify. I, yeah, I'm not saying that that what he did was wasn't understandable. I, I don't even think he was carrying the idiot the idiot ball in that particular scene. Uh, I think it was a very understandable thing to do. Just as a plot device, man. It makes me nervous, guys. Well, one question. I mean, I they didn't know when they filmed the finale that Supergirl was going to be brought over to the WB, did they? I, I, I can't. Pretty sure I they doubt didn't. it. But <clears throat> what I mean, it, it, this would be the perfect opportunity to it's essentially introduce Superman to the uh, Flash and Arrowverse, mm-hmm. and also totally. maybe maybe fix some of the issues that uh, Arrow has been plagued with for a little bit, like the fact that they killed off Black Canary, because that was a good idea. Um, I I loved it. I freaking, it was Flashpoint. It, as soon as I realized what was going on, like, Eric was in the same room as I am, and he doesn't watch the show, um, but he was in the living room with me, and he wasn't paying any attention, and as soon as it happened, I, like, screamed and threw my hands up, and he rolled around and was like, what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, shut up! is big uh i think it's really really interesting i think it's a fun twist and i think it's perfectly like it's in line with everything else that the show has done like this show does not this show is not taking itself seriously at any given point in time like i do not watch this show for like perfectly constructed plots i do not watch this show for everybody always being logical and making sense i watch the show because it's fun it's like very golden age very heroic age like kind of mixed in and i think that they're gonna just have a really fun time messing around with all of the what if plot lines um and it also opens up the door for tom Cavanaugh to play yet another version of harrison wells beautiful I, I, would, I love I would, Tom Cavanaugh. I would be so excited okay. for yet a third version of of Harrison Wells. I think that looks like what it's going to be happening. Like he's coming, he's confirmed to be back on the show. So it's probably just going to be Earth One for reals, Harrison Wells this time. But um, like, it's totally possible we could get Eddie Thawne back. That would be great. I loved Eddie. Um, and then there's great character drama in there with Iris and Eddie and, and Barry. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff that can go on. Like, we are gonna for sure see what could possibly happen with Wally before his mom dies. And even like the idea of Iris having known about her mom sooner, like there's just, there's a lot of opportunity. And I think like, I have a lot of faith in the writers of the show because I've seen things in the show where I was like, Oh, that's going to be really dumb. And every single time they don't just pull it out, but they take it to another level by bringing in something that feels so right from a comic book that I can't believe I'm seeing it on TV. I, worry because i've seen other shows do the reset plot like i used to really like eureka and then eureka pulled this big reset plot and it just it lost all of that character momentum that had built up and i'm just really worried about that because i don't want to go to square back to square one with any of these characters i mean it feels kind of like we're going more than square one like it's a completely new board. We're not going to get 
Joe and Barry. And that, the more I think about that, I'm like, I don't know. That's, I, I, I loved that relationship. It yeah. was such an amazing relationship. And now it's gone. And um, that actor, I'm forgetting his name. Joe, Joe West is my favorite character on that show. I would watch Joe West crime fighter He's every week, you know, Jesse Green or something. Jesse L. Martin. Yeah. And I love him. And he was like my favorite detective on uh, Law and Order, yeah. a show that I was never supposed to watch as a, as a teenager. Um, <laughs> legit. My father said, don't watch this trash. It's propaganda for state's attorneys. Um, so. I, he was my favorite. Um, I think that I think it's a big assumption to just think that everything is just reset and gone because that doesn't feel like what this show cares about. Like, I don't think that this show cares about totally erasing character development because the show clearly loves and adores its character development. Right. Like that's that's a thing the show cares about more than almost anything else. I think that Barry is going to pull his dick out of the timeline at some point in time and fix it. Go back and stop himself. I mean, there's precedent for it. There's going to yeah. be like five berries in that house. Before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it's in fact, to the point of where that's like we know that there's a berry from the future that ends up there telling him not to do it. It's just, yep. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. that it's I would be surprised if the entire series or the entire season is this reset plot line. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I would be willing to bet that before or by the midseason finale, he's going back in time and fixing what he did. I have to point out that this show is as close to zany in a comic that I like. So um, there's still probably a little bit more zany you can get, but I do love how lighthearted and fun it is. And it's still got depth, and I just really do enjoy The Flash. And this finale, so much better than the Arrow season finale that just fell really, really flat. I thought it was a lot better than the... um... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season finale, too. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The S.H.I.E.L.D. season finale was the weakest of their finales so far, and... Yeah. I didn't think it I didn't think it was outright bad. No. Uh, it was weak. Yeah, and, and I... I would have liked that episode a lot better without the coda. Without the, like... Oh, the... Yeah. Coulson isn't... Yeah, the six months later bit. Yeah. Um, I also just, like especially after Batman versus Superman, which just turned my stomach so much. Um, I really need my comic book stuff to lay off of the Christ metaphors for a while. Like Batman versus Superman. Just no, you just, you overdid it. I don't care if it was DC, DC, just that movie ruined it for the rest of us. Just lay off of that theme for a couple of years, guys. I don't, I can't take it anymore. Wouldn't it be wild? Just, absolutely wild if Barry uh, saves his mom, returns to the future, uh, and both his parents are dead. That's exactly what I think. I mean, I think that's a little dark for the Flash, um, and I'm not sure. I mean, that's like something like, like you thought of that, I thought of that. I know they've the writers have thought of it, but it's like it doesn't feel like the Flash unless this is literally the darkest timeline Flash story. I don't think it is. I don't think so either. But if Donald Glover is in the season at all, it, darkest timeline flash story confirmed, right? <laughs> That's the only change. He saves his mom, and the only change is that Wally is now played by Donald Glover. Oh, my God. That would be so funny. <laughs> that would I, – I actually – I really like Wally. And a little bit offensive. Yeah, I, yeah I, actually, I actually do really like the actor that's playing Wally. I think he, he basically has nailed the character. Like, Oh, yeah. He Like, the hothead, but like – Ser- like seriously heroic I want to see him develop a relationship with Dick Grayson um, I mean I think that his portrayal and the show's portrayal of Wally has really turned the fandom around so much into um, really liking the new 52 version of the character which is a big surprise because it's a very different version of the pre-new 52 version so a lot of fans were unhappy with the changes in his character and I don't just mean that he was black. Um, obviously, there's a subsect of people who are going to be awful about that. But, you know, the two Wally West are pretty different people um, to the point of where now in Rebirth, they're straight up to very different people who are um, distantly related. So but the fact that the show does such a good job with that character uh, has made a lot of people like really like the new 52 version of him, which is a real <laughs> that's a, that's saying something because nobody wants to like the new 52 version of anybody for anything so mm-hmm. 
the one the one disappointment that I had with the Flash finale is that we did not see either Jesse Quick or Kid Flash. Yeah, um, especially and man with did the they whole... man did they tease us? Yeah. Oh, they did. I'm I'm okay not seeing them, but I'm worried because she went back to Earth too. And so, like, if we get Kid Flash and we don't get Jesse Quick, I'm going to be a little pissed off, honestly. I wonder if changing the timeline on Earth 1, changing the timeline on Earth 1 doesn't affect Earth 2 or Earth 3, does it? I don't see why it would. No, because I think they're different. Yeah, because they're different timelines, but I'm not sure because there's so much overlap between the different Earths at this point, particularly Earth 2 and Earth 1. It's going to affect it in there somewhere. So I don't know Mm. where, but... It should be very interesting to see. I'm looking forward to the next season. I, I am super sad that it's like four months until the next Flash season. Well, since we've been talking a lot about DC and we've had a lot of part, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say a rebirth pun here, but Hannah, why don't you go next? Uh, sure. I have two things to talk about, uh, and I'm only going to talk about one of them kind of briefly, but the one I really want to talk about is I picked up the Superman Rebirth book today. So uh, as DC relaunches again with a lot of new number ones post uh, DC Universe Rebirth, they're starting with kind of an issue zero for a lot of the newer books, and that's the Rebirth issue. Uh, And I picked up the Batman one written by Snyder and King, and I picked up the Superman one. And I really love the concepts that they're playing with. I love because I love the concept behind Rebirth, right? Like I just I adore this lightning of the DC universe, this self analysis of the understanding that how dark it's been for the last five, 10, 30 years is a problem and pulling in these different plot threads to make like change is a really cool way to do it so I like that they're playing with that through the books Um, and so I like what they're doing with Superman Rebirth which is essentially bringing back um, pre-52 Superman who is um, spoilers, married to Lois Lane has a son with Lois Lane uh, whose son Jonathan Kent is now Superboy Um, And they've actually killed off the Clark Kent slash Superman of the New 52. Um, So this issue was really the original Superman uh, hanging out with Lana Lang, who was very close to the New 52 Superman, and them kind of discussing the legacy and what to do um, and what the world is going to be like moving forward. And part of the thing that I love the most about it was... Uh, original Superman was talking about dying and being reborn. And she's like, well, what, what killed you? What could have killed you? You're freaking Superman. And so there's like a four page spread that is a modern take on the death of Superman. Um, uh, It's, it's using, it's like a re re envisioning of the comic from 92. So it's using like the old costume Superman's in his trunks. Doomsday looks the way that doomsday is supposed to look. Uh, but it uses different perspectives. Obviously it's a different artist. That's kind of like, um, mimicking Perez's style. Uh, and it just looked really, really cool. And it was a really neat way of telling the story. Uh, that being said, the dialogue was really bad. Uh, and it does not make me very excited for action comics moving forward. I don't think I'm going to pick it up. Um, cause again, I like the themes. I like the concepts they're playing with. If dialogue is bad in a comic, I can't read it because dialogue is so much of the majority of what we actually read in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all being said, there are doing a Superman died. So of course you have to have a reign of the Superman event to follow that up. So the four replacement Supermen that we get are this this concept I really, really dig. So we have Lex Luthor, who has decided that the absolute best way to just destroy Superman is to take over his legacy. So he's in a giant mecha suit with an S on the chest doing all of the right things for all of the wrong reasons. He is. Oh, my God. They're they're seriously doing a uh, um, 
a Dr. Octopus Spider-Man story. This superior, is... the superior uh, Superman. Superman. Yes, yeah. this, is, this is very, very similar, <laughs> but that's okay because that's really cute. That's, that's like interesting. Uh, then, of course, we have the new Superman, who is, of course, um, uh, his name is uh, Kenan, I think is how it's pronounced. Kenan? Uh, pardon? Kenan. Kenan. Uh, and he's the Chinese Superman. Um, God, I just, I love his character design. Like, his suit looks really, really neat. And I think that's going to be a really interesting plot, and that's going to fit very interestingly into the Superman mythos. Uh, we have a Supergirl whose costume is no longer the worst thing in the world, so I'm very, very happy about that. Her new 52 costume was one was possibly the worst new 52 character design, except for maybe Starfire. Um, and she has gone back to a very classic-looking uh, costume, which is great. Uh, and then we have Superwoman, who is Lois Lane with Superman's powers. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> Marty just did kind of a double take. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, it's actually, I think it's kind of similar to um, what happened with Lois in All-Star Superman, uh, where mm. she in all-star superman temporarily got superpowers yeah for her uh, birthday superman gives her a serum that gives her, uh, her his powers for 24 hours my concern with the superwoman book is that the um kind of gimmick behind it is that the superpowers are killing her which a feels very like jane foster as the mighty thor ripoff yeah b just really rubs me the wrong way. Like, so with Jane, it was like her breast cancer was set quite a few years before she came, became Thor, right? Like that was, that was a plot point a while for going back a little bit. And it's always written very uh, thoughtfully, very conscientiously. Um, like it's not just a plot device. Like it's, it's it pretty... doesn't make me rip up the book. If it, if it didn't, I would be like, yeah. I'd be furious. Um, you, you, Marty and I can both read it and like mm. respect it. Um, so not doing that in a story and just being like, here's a female character who was a supporting character for years and years and years. And now she has superpowers. Also, they're killing her. That just really rubs me the wrong way. So I'm, I'm looking at that book with kind of side eye. Uh, I don't know what that's going to be like. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the idea generally overall of another reign of the super people event uh, and the concepts that are going into it. So, uh, And then the other thing I just wanted to briefly talk about was I saw X-Men Apocalypse. Have you guys seen that yet? Not yet. It's uh, one of the few superhero franchise movies that Shannon will by default want to go see before I do, mm -hmm. which is weird. But uh, I, too, have not seen it. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to get too much into it. Uh, I like go ahead. Huh? Go ahead. No, because I'd rather like us actually have a conversation about it when somebody besides me has seen it. I think it's worth seeing. Uh, I liked it better than Days of Future Past, but I also didn't like I was not over the moon about Days of Future Past. I thought it had a lot of problems. Um, that being said, X-Men Apocalypse is like. It's it's not as good as Deadpool. It's not as good as Captain America 3. Um, it's way better than Batman vs. Superman. My God. Uh, but it's really... It doesn't deal with a lot of the themes that an X-Men movie should. Like, it's like... Uh, there's an actual villain, and his name is Apocalypse, and he's a giant scary mutant. The villain is not actually bigotry, which is a problem, because that's what the villain in all the X-Men movies actually is. Uh that being, but you know, it was very fan servicey. So there was a lot of like really great nods to canon and nods to characters. Um, characters were handled really cool, even if they didn't necessarily get to do a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I liked it. It was don't have incredibly high expectations, but I would. Well, I think it's worth seeing. I don't. I don't have incredibly high expectations. I really dug Days of Future Past, but. Uh, Brian Singer's work doesn't always sit well with me, and 
you know, I really enjoyed X2, but X2 now is doesn't hold the candle to even, you know, some of the worst of the MCU movies. So, yeah, um, like. X-Men First Class was by far my favorite of the X-Men movies. It was very good, and I think it was the best of the X-Men movies. Uh, I never liked X-1 or X-2, and I know I'm a little bit in the minority for those, but I just never really cared for them. So I've appreciated, like, First Class and Days of Future Past and now Apocalypse. Um, But the coda made me... Or not the coda, the the teaser trailer made... No... The, the stinger, the stinger, the post credit stinger uh, made me more excited than certain parts of the movie did. So that's never all that great, uh, but it's something I look forward to. So yeah, I, I I don't think it was bad. It was it was a little bit more than adequate. It was perhaps hella adequate. Hella adequate. Hella adequate's about a five on the Kirby scale or a six. I would say six, I point six. six yeah. Yeah, if I was going to give it a Kirby rating, it would probably be like a 6 to a 6.5. Um, I I might purely for fan service push it to like a 7 because instead of making Warren Worthington a spoiled rich brat, he's instead an angsty 80s uh, cockney punk rock kid who then gets metal wings. So, you know, 15 year old me was like, mm, mm-hmm. OK, I'm down for this. All right. No, no. Yeah, that was good. They turn him into Billy Idol. A little bit. Again! Oh, good Christ. Yeah. No. I, I Maybe it's just me, but, like, I tried really hard to, like, really get into Angel for some reason at one point in my early comic career. And I'm like, this is dumb. This is just, just <laughs> he's, dumb. Well, he's a then, bad character. Then, yeah, like, it's it's a take on the character that makes him less dumb like i the first exposure to angel i ever had and i don't know why i remember this so clearly i had a comic book that was based off of the 92 um animated show and it was the issue it was the first issue of the apocalypse saga uh and my very first image of warren worthington is him dressed up like a freaking veil colorado ski bunny um, in like the most entitled rich kid <laughs> preppy look from the early 90s you could possibly imagine and his hair was like three feet tall so I really don't mind the 80s punk rocker <laughs> remake that's really okay with me this is one of the few times where we our opinions are so divergent because like that like no that's what Warren Worthington the third needs to be um, I, I still remember my first of like I think it was the Marvels, the Alex Ross painted Marvels book where it's, you know, angels holding the child and flying above. That was the image of like, oh, this character might be really awesome. No. But he never no. art, does yeah. that. Like, I know. I know. Listen, if I can go back in time and tell and, and do my own flashpoint, <laughs> I mean, that'd be kind of a waste of my time because I grew out of it. So. In any case, um, yeah, I think yeah. I, I would give X-Men Apocalypse about a 0.6 to a 0.65 on the Kirby scale. It's about right. You can see that. So I have two things in my poll box today, listeners. The first, and I never, I rarely have two, and I never pull out something that isn't like directly from a comic. But this is my exception, and I think you may understand why. The Nerdist, who is more likely a reputable source than others in my history of using them. Um, They're saying that Brie Larson from The Room and a really funny episode of Saturday Night Live is in talks to be Captain Marvel. Um, And now I have a I have strong feelings about what they could do with Carol. um, And it doesn't need to be someone who looks like Brie Larson, but She's a phenomenal actress who might be able to pull off Carol, and then she wants the role from what I've read. So this could be very interesting. Not as interesting as like some of my other picks, but hey, you know, what do I know? I just think race bending for Captain Marvel would be a better idea. Um, did you guys read this article? It's um it's it's pretty much the whole title is the whole thing, but well, yeah, I was just looking at pictures of Brie Larson. I mean Yeah. I mean, they could certainly style her hair, and she she'll look like Captain Marvel. I, I I haven't seen the movie that she's famous for, so I haven't seen it either. But that's because like, uh, 
I don't want to cry. I have enough misery in my life. The room is supposed to be like one equal uh, devastating and uplifting, but I don't want to see it right now. Um, I've seen it. Because uh, I, re- I actually yeah. I read the book, um, so I wanted to see the movie. Uh, no, she's a fantastic actress. She's she's very very good. Uh, however, um, what I would look at less than the uh, less than Broom is actually uh, she was Envy Adams in the Scott Pilgrim movie. Oh, uh, Scott's ex girlfriend. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. So that makes me a little bit more yeah okay uh, with it. I I also like I would have preferred to see some race bending happening, or I would have preferred to see a um, somewhat more non-standard uh, Hollywood body. Type. I mean, I I cast Gwendolyn Christie in in half the roles that I want to see now. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I also thought Charlize Theron would have made a freaking amazing Carol. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I, that would have been pretty cool, too. Uh, but that being said, I really did like her in, she was very phenomenal in Room. Like, she deserved all the accolades that she got for it, and that was a really difficult role. I actually wasn't sure how they were going to adapt that book into a movie um, without making you just want to throw yourself off a bridge the entire time. Uh and yeah, I, she was actually a super adorable in Scott Pilgrim and managed to she managed to pull more of that character from the comic uh, than really made sense, considering how much of her role they cut from the movie. Like that character had a lot more going on in the Scott Pilgrim comic book. And she managed to pull some of that into her performance, which clearly like demonstrated that she gave a damn, which I always like to see in my nerd genre actors. So. It's yep. not the worst casting. It's not not over the moon about it, but it's not the worst. Now, Captain Marvel news. I mean, we've got three years for the movie. Who knows when we're going to see her? Um, and I don't want to get into the speculation train too much because I'm already on the train to Wakanda at high speed. But I want to also share one other thing from my pull box um, that I think everybody should really go pick up. Uh, Nighthawk number one, David Walker, Ramon Villalobos, and Tamara Bonvillan. Uh, the colors of this book are stunning and they're jarring, and it needs to be because the whole concept of Nighthawk is the following he is the sole survivor of one of the white events from Secret War. From his universe was completely destroyed, he's the only one he thinks that survived. And uh, he is a Batman that has no problem murdering people, and he's black, and he's in Chicago. I have two beefs with the book. There are neighborhoods that are listed as being in Chicago that are not. One that is clearly a suburb, and the other that is um, not a real neighborhood. And that's like... I never, ever, ever, ever get to do play the, you know, the New York TV game. Like, well, in New York City, that apartment that, that's so big would be like five point million dollars or five point five million dollars or whatever. So I've worked in these neighborhoods my entire adult life. So you don't need the killing fields. You have Altgeld Gardens. And I get why he did it. It's me being a Chicago snob, which I very like. I, I whip the card out as often as I can, but this is like a legit use of that card. Um, Meanwhile, Nick and I are just sitting over here shaking our heads because we live in Seattle, uh, where lots and lots and lots of stuff takes place. But twiz, uh, Toronto is where it's actually filmed, or Vancouver, it's where it's actually mm-hmm. filmed. And so I'm constantly fielding co- uh, conversations with my mother where she's like, oh, is that what Seattle looks like? Like, I don't understand when I was there, I thought the Space Needle was like in the middle of downtown. Like, no, no mother. That's Vancouver. That's that's still Vancouver. Yeah. Toronto is uh, the on screen Chicago a lot of the time, which drives me up the fucking wall. Um, But, you know, whatever. I I really do like Nighthawk because it's an example of a mainstream comic book pushing boundaries that is usually reserved for indie books. Um, This is a book by people of color addressing racism in Chicago to the point where they are taking an issue, the first 
plot point is the discussion of a teen that was killed by the police. And um, this is something that I have some experience with. It's we've had a, a bunch of a bunch of my friends have had kids that they worked really hard to get them back right on track, murdered by the cops for a variety, you know, for a variety of reasons. None of them good. Um, and it's it's refreshing to see one of the big two do something like this. I also recognize that people are going to be like, this is too dark for me and I can't handle it. Um, but I will also be honest. There is something very satisfying about seeing Nighthawk beating the crap out of redneck meth dealers in a neighborhood that kind of resembles the one that I currently live in. Um, so I really recommend it. Uh, David Walker, I, I think he's doing a really good job of of threading a very difficult needle to foster a discussion that uh, needs to be had and Marvel should be playing a part in this discussion. Have you read uh, any of the past Squadron Supreme stuff? I did, and I never cared for Nighthawk in the original Squadron Supreme. Hmm. I didn't care for any of those characters. Um, uh, I, I enjoy. You're talking the uh, J. Michael Straczynski, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. enjoyed that. I really liked the uh, actually the shot of Hyperion the first time that Nighthawk meets him and cycles through all of the different possibilities of what Hyperion might represent to him. I remember those panels, and that might be a thing that I did like, but I also had J. Michael Straczynski burnout at the time mm-hmm. because, like, I think he was also writing. He might have also been writing Thor and, ri- and Rising, Rising stars. stars. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's all the same stuff, like Babylon Five and a little bit of He Man. So I'm done. When I when that thought hit, I was I was out. But like, I there's a lot going on in Nighthawk that I'm loving. So, um, yeah, very excited about this. Do you need any background knowledge of the character to get into it? Because I'm super unfamiliar with Nighthawk as a character. I know nothing. Nope. I think the whole Secret War thing is going to be something that we see. I think he's going to go in depth about his backstory as the story continues. Um, But there's nothing. You don't need to know who this character is to get into the character. Okay. Or the book. The art style is also kind of jarring, um, and I, I dig it for what it, for the purpose of the book, but it's not my favorite art in the world. Well, now that we've all shared from our poll box, let's move on to fandom confession. Hannah, why don't you start us off? So I came up with this segment based off of something that uh, Tim actually, I think it was Tim or a friend of Tim's coined on Facebook, which was your uh, fandom confession. I think it was Cat, actually. It was Cat. Awesome. Uh, so this actually ties in a little bit to my intro note because uh, I, I wanted to make sure that we weren't fandom has been kind of toxic lately and we've been having some really terse conversations about that as we kind of process through our feelings and look forward to a longer conversation about that later on uh but in this topic i very specifically wanted to make sure that we were having a light-hearted conversation so i put a note in our show notes our show outline uh that said this is a light-hearted segment please don't confess that you once murdered a vash cosplayer my confession is not that i murdered a vash cosplayer although i may have one to murder many Vash cosplayers. So my entry for the lighthearted segment, uh, Phantom Confession, is uh, I actually very quietly love 90s-style comic book art, like absurd amount of muscles, um, very, like, cheesecake-drawn female characters, not, like, the super, super skinny, stick-thin, like, Liefeld characters, um, where they're, like, 99% leg, and then the rest of it is, like, boob as big as the head, but, like, um, Adam, Adam Warren on Empowered is a really great example, uh, and that, like, sketchy-lined look, very superficial, flashy, uh, probably the best example I can think of is uh, Joe um, Madurea. I, I always just call him Joe Mad. 
um, who is a fantastic artist, but definitely has that like very, very 90s feel uh, comic book art. So it's not always uh, particularly uh, wholesome. It's not always particularly healthy, but you know, it's my indulgence. I, I quietly freaking love it. Are we talking like Vampirella here? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably not some of the like really bad, um, like top cow. So less top cow and more like '90s image. Uh, that's mm. not Liefeld. Uh, so like McFarland drawing Angela. McFarland drawing Spawn. I still freaking love how Spawn looks. He Spawn has an amazing character design. You can say what you will, but like his cape was like two miles long, and he had like a mile of chains, and he had that like no mouth cowl thing with the very expressive eyes. Like, yeah, it's terrible, and I love it. I love that confession. <laughs> that helped me figure out what I want to confess. Um, <clears throat> I've actually changed mine. Uh. Because I originally didn't think that this was lighthearted enough, but the more I think about it, actually, I think the more uh, kind of uplifting it is. Um, <clears throat> my, my fan confession is that there's a time in my life, probably not closer than I would I would prefer, that I I absolutely would have been a gamer gator. I would have swallowed that shit, hook, line, and fucking sinker. Um, you know, there was a time in my life where I bought into the idea of the uh uh the you know the lonely put upon white man uh and you know these are this is the time period when marty knew me uh and you know i've decided to make my mint on creating a machine to allow people to reach back to their you know late teens early 20s and slap the shit out of themselves i would pay you Uh, so much money so much money for that opportunity uh, but the reason that I think that this is a uh, lighthearted is that um, I'm not that way anymore. You know, I- I'm I I'm positive that I, you know, have problematic worldviews. I'm positive that racism and sexism uh, and homophobia are still influences in my brain. Uh, but. I can choose to actively work against those things in myself. You know, the fight against all of the isms starts with each and every one of us uh, deciding to try to improve ourselves. And, you know, uh, compared to where I came from, I think that I've done pretty well for myself. So, uh, you know, yay, uh, pat on the back, go me. Um, I'm a white guy. That, I'm a white guy that that steps on slightly fewer people than other white guys. I guess. Um, Everybody has their own path to wokeness, and dude, I think that's. I don't, it's not lighthearted, but it is a more positive spin on this type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hopeful because if I can if I can make that journey, then it means it's possible. You know. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that this is this is a, a topic that we've kind of talked about a little bit in our channels and sometimes on Twitter. And I've talked about it in private with other friends. Um, There is to some degree, some people in the social justice movements, we have to help people go from, you know, one end of the spectrum to something more akin to wokeness. And there are other people who you know what? That's not their job anymore. They've moved on and they can't do that anymore because it is some emotional fucking labor to put up with uh, good people who are confusing what they've been put upon with and what their stresses are in like a very toxic worldview, which is a very generous way of describing it. Um, but keep in mind that for a profession, I take, you know, kids that are deemed criminals or felons in some cases and try to get them to a state of, you know, you know, woke, socially conscious, aware, strong young people who contribute to their community. So I have a typically I have a stronger tolerance for that kind of thing, except I don't have it for with with white kids. I, I know exactly why that is. Um, so or suburban kids even. So that is also extremely problematic and I'm working on it. So, yeah, I absolutely have to say I would not have many of the viewpoints that I have now that are much more healthy 
um, if it wouldn't have been for my friends who are vocally um, woke, who who talk about issues, who pursue the conversation and who continue the conversation and made me think like I uh, <laughs> a time far more recently than I am happy admitting I had some very problematic beliefs, usually along like I totally bought into the um fake gamer girl thing like I totally bought into I'm pretty sure at some point in time in my life I have said well you know I only really have guys as friends I don't really get along well with other women I absolutely said that uh, uh yes uh, I, I am I am 100% positive on more than one occasion I actually used the phrase well actually possibly while flying around and firing fedoras out of my hands or something <laughs> there were a lot of fedoras in you're safe on that angle you know, and this is something that this is – I think this fandom conversation, this social justice conversation that we are still planning on having, I mean it's it's hard because like I'm not – and I don't want to put words in Tim's mouth, but that's – educating people at the 101 level ain't Tim's job anymore. That is not his stuff unless it is like people that he has decided to mentor and he has got a very strict protocol for that and – you can't blame a guy who's been spending the majority of his life working towards social justice paths to go back and, you know, Sherpa for other people, um, especially when, like, that is emotionally draining work. Um, uh, I'm so. remarkably grateful to the people that had the patience to to put up with me while I was sometimes good naturedly, sometimes not so good naturedly smashing into them. That is certainly not, you know, the people that taught me <clears throat> the things, I guess, that I that I have absorbed to move to where I am right now. Um, you know, I appreciate that. That's a gift that they've given me, you know, uh, and it's certainly not something that they were required to do. So I appreciate it. And it's nice to hear. That's always nice to hear. And I know somebody listens to the show who will be happy that you said that. Even if it's not the person that you're talking about, <laughs> somebody's going to be out there saying like, yeah, that that was not, you know, that was good. Well, if you're if you're listening to this show and you think this might be about you, it probably is. I, th I think Nick and Hannah, like talking about this positive bit of fandom confession is really awesome. And you helped me figure out like what my fandom confession is. And it is I am addicted to variant covers i am part of the problem according to the image ceo i will buy a variant cover like i put them back a lot of the time because i don't have the money for a 30 40 50 variant uh but you s give me a scotty young cover i'll buy it and i've said that before but oh is that the character design cover i'll, I'll buy that one. Ooh, that one's pretty oh the hip-hop covers problematic also give it to me. Um, so I am a sucker for variants and I, uh, partly because some of them are just so pretty and I'm displaying that I will be displaying them in my house in my basement when I get to turn that into one of my offices. Um, but it's also just because comics is a visual medium. This is, this is how I get into art and the color and the lines and yeah, you know what? Uh, Scotty Young's Nighthawk cover, not the best. Do I own it? Yes. Do I regret it? No. I am a sucker for variants. And that's why I'll never go digital, because gives a fuck about a digital variant. I want I want my hand-drawn Scotty Young cover, and I want it today. I have a wall of them. I will have a wall of Scotty Young variants, and will be called the Shrine to My Fandom. And that's about it. That's actually a fantastic fandom confession. I really <laughs> like that one, because you, you are definitely part of the problem. Oh yeah. yeah, and and you you're know the what? one putting money towards your your part of the problem too, which is saying something. <laughs> I gotta be, but like, there's something about. I could try to come up with a defense, but no, I like it and I bought it. Uh, and as far as problems to be a part of, that is a a very small one. Mm -hmm. Oh no, so, you're yeah. giving creators even more money. How terrible. Mm -hmm. Now that we've had our confession and we've talked about our pull box, it is time to say goodnight, everybody. This has been episode 
just going to call it 46 of All Comics Considered, the comic book podcast with the heart and a really cool trio. If you like what we've heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr. And you know what? Tweet us. You can always find us at All Comics Cast. Some of us even have other Twitter handles that we use all the time. Drop us a line. Say what you like. Confess your fandom to us. Confess. It will make you so much happier. But keep in mind that your ratings, reviews, and confessions help us out immensely. Everything you do will help boost us to find new listeners and make more of All Comics Considered. Your hosts have been Marty, and you can always find me on Twitter at Officer Gleason and on Tumblr at One Pretentious Bastard. I've been Hannah, and you can find me on Twitter at Totally Rogue. I'm Legally Nick Fury. And you can also always find Tim, who is pretty much, I'm going to say it, he's our Paul McCartney, and you can always find him at Tim Considers, who end blowing up the All Comics Considered Facebook page. Thanks for listening, Action Heroes, and until next time... Confess your fandoms. Confess.